0: Once again I want to say hello to everybody in this room, side yard, downstairs, joining us from home. We're so glad that you're here. We are in a season of the year that the church refers to as Easter tide. And during this season, we look at passages in scripture of the resurrected Jesus. Sometimes these are referred to as resurrection narratives. And so these are accounts of Jesus showing up to his disciples and, um, and teaching them post-resurrection. And the passage we're looking at today, perhaps more than any other passage in scripture, uh, teaches us what the resurrection means for you and I. And so uh, Tim referenced this passage last week as well, but it comes from Luke 24 where we read this. While they were talking about this, Jesus himself stood among them and said to them, "'Peace be with you.' They were startled and terrified and thought that they were seeing a ghost. He said to them, "'Why are you frightened, and why do doubts arise in your hearts? Look at my hands and my feet. See that it is I myself. Touch me and see, for a ghost does not have flesh and bones.'" as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. While in their joy, they were disbelieving and still wondering, he said to them, have you anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it in their presence. Amen. Before we dive into the implications of the resurrection for our lives, can we just talk about the resurrection for a moment? When the scripture talks about the resurrection, there is a sense in which we experience the resurrection as followers of God in the way of Jesus now and later. That the resurrection is both an experience now and later. Those who are in Christ... The scriptures say we are baptized into Jesus' death and resurrection. So, like when a person is baptized, what do we do? We go under water, and in the going under, it's a picture of dying with Christ in his death. And then coming up out of the water is a picture of being raised to new life. Like the words we use in the baptism liturgy literally are what? Dead to sin alive in Christ this is a way this is like a, a very in a very real sense resurrection realities are for you and I now that God's holy Spirit enters the life of a follower of Christ giving you resurrection power now to overcome. Like dead to sin, alive to Christ. So there's a sense where the Bible talks about like resurrection now. And we also know that we on this earth here and now still struggle. That there is a resurrection to come when there will be no more struggle. When there will be no more pain. When there will be no more fear or injustice or anything wrong. That God, there is a day coming when God will make all things right that are wrong. Will make things new. Will renew all things. So when the Bible talks about resurrection, and when we're in the season of Eastertide, and we're looking at the resurrection narratives, there is a sense in which we can experience resurrection now. That power of God's Holy Spirit in our lives in the present to overcome And there is a hope in the resurrection to come. Now, when Jesus appears to his disciples in this passage that we just read, we notice two interesting things about the resurrected Jesus, the resurrected body of Jesus. First of all, he passes through walls. And we see this more in John's gospel account of this passage, but he passes through walls. That's one thing. Secondly, The resurrected body of Jesus has a sensory engagement with this world. He says, do you have something to eat? He says, touch me. Like, feel my hands. I am not a ghost. I am more, you know, I have flesh and bones. I'm hungry. Like, touch me, feel me, see me, feed me. Now, the passing through walls part of this story is maybe what many of us think of when we think of eternity, when we think of the afterlife. Many people think of just like spirits floating around and passing through doors. And in a sense, right, we're seeing that's a piece of it. That's a piece of it. But we often forget that here Jesus also has sensory engagement in the world in his post-resurrection body. Like, he has a body, and they can touch him. He, he's hungry. He eats. And here is why this is so important. Most people in the world are going to fall into, generally speaking, two errors when it comes to our thinking about eternity and the afterlife. One error you could call secularism. The other you could call spiritualism, being overly spiritual. So like over here, secularism basically would be this idea of the afterlife that would just say the physical is all we have. The material world is all we have. So when we die, we rot. Like in a fully secular worldview, it – There's not a whole lot different between like a human being and a stone and a slug. I mean, maybe evolutionary process is a little bit different. There's some difference. But in the end, we all die. We all rot. There's nothing more, right? This is like a a secular worldview of the afterlife. But Jesus' resurrected body shows us that after death, we too will rise that we will be able to pass through doors, that we will be able to eat and drink and dance, that we will have real bodies that have somehow been like fully restored and redeemed. See, Jesus' resurrected body, it's like a picture of what the end will look like when God fully reunites heaven and earth in that original Garden of Eden is brought about again in the new creation. This is like a little glimpse. It's like a little picture. It's like a little window. And so Jesus' resurrected body is like addressing secularism. There is more. It's not just that you rot and die. Okay, but the other way we sometimes think about the afterlife and eternity is, is spiritualism right? Now, there's lots of versions of this. You could have the New Age version, but in this context here at church, let's just talk about, like, the churchy version (laughs) of spiritualism. My pastor growing up would be like, yeah, you know, sometimes we're so heavenly-minded, we're of no earthly good. This would be spiritualism, right? This would be to say that the spirit, the soul, is all that matters. That this physical world is just passing away. It's all going to burn. Like, Who really cares what you do here on earth? Who really cares about your physical body? Who really cares about the the physicality of the pews you're sitting on or the building we're worshiping in? Who cares about the planet? Like it's all going to pass away. We're all going to be beamed up and out of here and this will all be gone. So spiritualism. Jesus in his resurrected body is saying no, 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 no. In My resurrected body, I am showing you, like, touch me, feel me. Do you have something to eat? That the body matters, that the physical matters. See, spiritualism creates a passivity or an indifference to suffering. Because, like, don't get all worked up about injustice. We're all going to fly away someday anyway. Jesus' resurrected body says, I am not a ghost. Feel me, touch me, feed me. See, resurrection redeems the physical world. It's returning it to the original glory of the garden. So resurrection doesn't say, it's all going to burn. It doesn't matter. Just start disregarding it all now. No, resurrection says, real bodies will one day rise. And walk and eat and dance and sing. So the resurrection narratives of Jesus, when we see Jesus in his post-resurrection body, it's kind of like he is countering both of these worldviews. He's challenging secularism and spiritualism. Jesus is showing us in his body that God values the body and the spirit, and we probably never should separate them in the first place. That it's not like there's one more important than the other. Why else would Jesus say, do you have any food? Feel me, touch me. Do you have something to eat? Like here I am. It's not like I have a spirit that dwells in a body. It's not like my body just contains my spirit. It's like I am a spiritual body, integrated, whole, together, that God values this interconnectedness. There is no division in me. So here's Jesus walking through walls, also eating. The body and the spirit are of equal value to God. It's this picture, this glimpse of what it will be like when everything is made new, when heaven and earth are reunited. And so, resurrection, we can experience it now, and we're going to experience it in full later. But let's talk for a minute about the implications then of the resurrection. The implications of this passage on our lives for today from this passage, you could say there are like three implications of the resurrection realities in our lives. The resurrection means that we are to fight, rest, and fear absolutely nothing. Fight or work, rest, be at peace, and fear absolutely nothing, which we just sang about. So, first of all, the resurrection the implications of the resurrection, are that we fight for justice. Because we're, we're not here to simply escape this world. We are here to rehab this world. God is making all things new. His resurrection was just, the basically, it's just like the, Beginning of the ripple effect of that new creation. We're not here to escape the world. We're here to rehab the world. God's already making all things new. We participate with Him in it. So that means we are not indifferent to suffering. We love this physical world, this material world. This is the world God made. We love the trees, we love the soil, we love the earth. The planet, we care about the health of this place because we're not here to use it and abuse it and just escape from it. We're here to rehab it with God. And also we love bodies, like physical bodies. Touch me, feel me, feed me, he said. He is teaching us to love bodies, to love our bodies, to love our neighbors' bodies, to love black and brown bodies to love but that the physical matters so we're not passive as followers of a resurrected Jesus we're not passive when it comes to the brokenness in this world like we're here to rehab the brokenness in all its forms so when we see something wrong we work we fight to make it right in God, because God is making all things new, and we participate with him here and now until that day when he ultimately makes all things new. So just this week, right, lots of heavy stuff, and it's only that which hits the headlines. There's much, much more, I'm sure, but when a 20-year-old black man, Dante Wright, is killed when a video is released of a 13-year-old boy, Adam Toledo, Shot in the chest, hands up in the air, nothing in his When another mass shooting happens, here's the thing. As followers of God, in the way of the resurrected Jesus, we do feel that. It is right. It is the way of Jesus, and it is the way of love that you might feel that. The grief, the rage, the pain, the overwhelm, the numbness the loss, like if followers of God in the way of Jesus are to be anything, it is that we would be people of, that we would be a compassionate presence in this world, in this world that God so dearly loves. And what is compassion? Compassion is to suffer with. And so it is right, it is good, it is necessary to not bury my head in the sand, not be so heavenly minded I'm of no earthly good, But as I see, as I encounter things that are wrong, then I know that God is in the process of making all things right and that I would work with him, fight for those wrongs to be made right. If we're not suffering with, do we really care? Jesus entered suffering. We follow a suffering Savior. So to love your neighbor as yourself. Is to say, if that was my child, how would I want someone to show up and to show up that way? To love my neighbor as myself. You know, St. Augustine, a long time ago, he said these simple words that I love so much. You are, he said, you are, we are, you are the body of Christ in you and through you. The work of the incarnation must go forward. You are to be taken. You are to be blessed, broken, and distributed. That you may be the means of grace and the vehicles of eternal love. We are to be becoming love. Vehicles of eternal love. This is the way of the bread broken, and the wine poured out. This is the Eucharist way. It's not merely a set of beliefs that I ascribe to. It is a way of life to be taken and blessed and broken and given for the healing of the world. That is what Jesus did. That's what we're invited into. So as vehicles of eternal love, we fight that which is wrong to help make it right. We stand with the vulnerable and oppressed. And do not miss this, we also rest. We're followers of God in the way of Jesus. Like fundamentally, we are to be people who are at peace. Not people who bury their heads in the sand, but people who are at peace. Because here's the thing, in a secular narrative, in a secular worldview. My approach to fighting injustice, it's all on my shoulders because this world is passing away. Like, we got to fix it now. And if we're not the ones to do it, like, it's not going to get done. In a Christian worldview, that is not true. God is the one who is making all things new. And I join him in the work that he is doing. And I trust and I know and I have hope and I have confidence in the fact that he will make every wrong right. That does not rest on my shoulders or your shoulders alone. We join God in that task. But we, while we work, while we fight, we also rest. We also rest because we know that God is making all things new. See, there is a tremendous pressure in a secular story to fix everything and fix it now. That rests squarely on. But followers of God, in the way of a resurrected Jesus, know that while we work by day, we put our head on the pillow at night, and we can rest because we know that this is God's good work. In There is that day coming, that day that is coming when God will make it all right. He will make it all new. So, um... I want to try to just like get super specific (laughs) for a moment, Uh, real specific, as the ideas of following a resurrected Jesus apply to the cultural conversations happening around racial justice right now. So let me just, let me just try to do this real quick. Um, Some of you will enter the conversations of racial justice and you will say, you will think something like this. What's all the fuss about Black Lives Matter? This is America. Like, equal land of equal opportunity. Everybody has the same opportunity. Everyone should be able to pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. I don't even think systemic racism is a thing, Okay, Some people are entering the conversation of race from that perspective, vantage point. Others are going to say systemic racism major problem. And we need to dismantle it. And this country was born in slavery and though the institution of slavery no longer exists, the ramifications, the systems that continue to oppress people do. So we must confront white privilege, white supremacy, dismantle it in all of its forms. Okay. You get the picture of these two, right? You get the picture of these ideas. Okay, here's here's just what I want to say to the church, to those of you who would say, I am a follower of God in the way of Jesus. Both of those perspectives alone are secular. I'm not saying they are false. I am saying they are secular. The gospel has not even been mentioned. So, as followers of God in the way of Jesus we are going to say that racial justice is a gospel matter it is connected to the very heart of God we don't approach this purely from a secular standpoint we are motivated the love of God compels us now the thing is Pulling yourself up by your own bootstraps, that's very American, but that's not Christian. That's not the gospel. Over here, if all the problems in our world are systemic in nature, then that would mean if all the systems were corrected, and of course you hope they will be, but even if they were, everything wouldn't be solved, right? Because a Christian worldview tells us that sin exists. And that the gospel of Jesus is needed to transform human life. So even if all the systems were fixed, there still is a problem. So I'm not suggesting that we be moderate, right? Let's be very clear. Like racial justice is a gospel issue. But let's be sure to follow God in the way of Jesus as we talk about it. That we care about this conversation, we think about this conversation, not because it is popular to do so, but because it's tied to the very person and work of Jesus. Like Jesus said, I came to tear down the dividing walls of hostility. Christ came to tear down the systems of oppression to set people free into the flourishing that they were intended for by God. So secularism spiritualism. Those are stories or understandings of our world, and they're not the story of the resurrected Jesus. The thing that is so unique when we look back um, and read about a lot of the writing during the civil rights movement of the 1960s, a lot of that was led by ministers. So there was this very much this nonviolent approach to the conversations of racial justice there was a lot in the in, interwoven in there that was rooted in the hope and in the reality that this is a gospel matter it is the way of Jesus the story of the scripture says God created human beings in his image so black and brown lives matter because they're made in the image of God, right? Every human being is made in the image of God. And the gospel says sin has corrupted everything. It's corrupted human hearts. It's corrupted families. It's corrupted nations. Sin has corrupted everything. It's corrupted us racially. It's corrupted us Socioeconomically, sin has corrupted everything. And Jesus came to redeem and restore all that's broken. The human heart, the family, the systems that are broken, the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. So the Bible tells us so. And the Easter story is Jesus has defeated sin and death and the devil. So what do we say on Easter? We say Jesus Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. That gives us hope. That pulls us forward. He's conquered this. He has overcome sin. He has overcome death. And his resurrection body then calls us to rehab all that is broken. So we're not passive. We're not indifferent. We're inspired to work. And we're free to rest because God's given us Like, God's given us, like, a burden and a privilege, right? A burden and a privilege together of participating in the work that he's doing to make all things new. And then lastly, okay, resurrection teaches us to fear absolutely nothing, right? My fear doesn't stand a chance when I stand in your love. Why is that? It's because we know where this story is going. We know that Jesus has begun it. We've seen in his resurrected body what a, a glimpse into what is to come. So we are not afraid. We do not fear this world. We do not fear each other. We don't fear a pandemic. We don't fear cancel culture. We don't fear liberal media, and we don't fear conservative f- agendas. We don't fear a pa- you know, pandemic. We don't fear the future. We don't f- fear a civil war. We don't fear because our story is rooted in the hope of the fact that God is making all things new. That there is a day coming when our bodies, like Jesus' resurrected body, are going to pass through walls and dance. That our bodies one day will be free of pain. That our bodies one day will show up on this earth where heaven and earth are reunited, where there will be no pain, there will be no struggle, there will be no injustice. So we don't fear this moment. Those born blind are going to see. Those in pain are going to have none. And just like the resurrected Jesus, we're going to have bodies that have like a sensory engagement in this world. We're going to come up to one another, do you have something to eat? We are going to inhabit this world that God so deeply loves. So may you and I begin now living into the resurrection reality that's available to us. May we follow this resurrected Jesus. May we have hope and may we not be afraid as together we work with him to make all things new. Amen. (laughs) i feel a little bit more of a preach coming on but 20 minutes up so let's pray together as we close we pray together as jesus taught us to pray our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses